Okay, good morning everybody. Today's daf is Nidarm daf Lamed Ches. We are holding on the top of daf Lamed Ches. We are at the third line of the page, Amar Rav Acha Bar Ada. Today's shir is sponsored by Dr. David Landerer in honor of his wife and children and Le'ilan Nishmas, his mother, Golda Basimcha Shalom, We thank Dr. Landerer for continuing to sponsor the daf Yomi Shir each and every day. So we are holding at the top of Lamed Ches and the Gemara is going to tell us a little bit about Moshe Rabbeinu. So first it's going to t- tell us about a particular pasuk that describes Hashem talking to Moshe Rabbeinu and how in Eretz Yisrael they would divide that pasuk into three different parts. The Gemara is going to tell us about the Ashirus of Moshe Rabbeinu and where that came from. And then the Gemara is going to uh, discuss a Hava Amina that perhaps the Torah was only given for Moshe Rabbeinu and his own children, his own descendants. The Gemara is going to challenge that from three different places and therefore modify that teaching that it can't possibly be that the Torah was only given to Moshe Rabbeinu's family. Then the Gemara is going to discuss the milos that a person needs in order to be a Navi, and all of those milos are derived from Moshe Rabbeinu. So we're going to have to show how we know that Moshe Rabbeinu had all of those various milos that are necessary in order to be a uh, to be a Navi. The Gemara is going to describe other Nevi'im that were also Ashirim, that it wasn't only Moshe Rabbeinu, but, uh, but all Nevi'im were Ashirim, and we know it from Moshe, from Shmuel, from Amos, and from Yonah, and the Gemara is going to prove that not only was Moshe, but Shmuel, Amos, and Yonah were also very wealthy people. And then the Mishnah on the bottom of Amin Aleph is going to continue in this series of Mishnayis about what a Mudar Hana'a is allowed to do for, uh, for, uh, for the person that he has this neder with, what you can and cannot do. And the Gemara is going to specifically focus on a Shidduch when there's a neder Hana'a between the son-in-law and the father-in-law. So are you allowed to make a Shidduch and does not matter which direction the neder hana'a goes in, and the Gemara is going to discuss other issues relating to mudar hana'a, what you can and cannot do. That's going to bring us all the way to the Mishnah on the bottom of Lam Chesem base. So let's get started. The second, the third line of the page on Daf Lamid Ches Amud Aleph. So says the Gemara Amar Rav Achver Adav B'Marava Pasuk Ladin Pesukim Litlas Pesukim. In Eretz Yisrael, they would take the following pasuk and they would divide it into three pesukim. Vayomer Hashem El Moshe Hinei Anochi Ba Elecha Ba'av Ha'Anan. That's not the end of the pasuk. The pasuk goes Ba'avur Yishma Ha'Am B'Dabri Imach V'Gam B'Choya Minu Liolam Vayagin Moshe Es Divrei Ha'Am. El Hashem. So we have that as all one pasuk. Shemos Perakutas pasuk test. But in Eretz Yisrael they would have it as follows. That's one. Sof pasuk. Then ba'avur yishma am b'tabri imach v'gam b'choyam inu liolam. Sof pasuk. Then vayagin Moshe is tibriyam el Hashem. Why would they divide it into three pasukim? So Shita Mukbetzes writes just very simply that uh, in Eretz Yisrael they finished the uh, Torah only once every three years. They didn't finish the Torah, the the reading of the Torah every year. So they would try to make as many pasukim as they could out of the uh, out of the Torah because otherwise the parshios were just too short. Very difficult to understand uh, that why. Uh, why that would be okay that you're allowed to just start uh, chopping up uh, the Torah. There must be something more over here. So the Marsha writes in Maseches Kiddushin and Davlamet Aleph that the reason for dividing it was because it helps in understanding what the message of the Pasuk is. Because if you read it as one Pasuk it would sound like it's saying that Hashem is coming to Moshe Rabbeinu Ba'av Hanan so that the people will listen to him. But that's not what the Pasuk means. The Ba'avur Yishma'am B'Dabriim is going on the hemshich of the pasuk that because uh, 
the, the nation will hear that Hashem speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, they will believe in Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's why they divided the Pasuk. And the fact that they, they, they chopped off the end of the Pasuk, that's because we don't find in Kala says the Marsha, that one Pasuk is going to tell us both the Divrei Hashem Moshe and Divrei Moshe Yisrael. It's always divided into separate Pesukim. So that's why they had divided it into two different Pesukim, to split up Hashem speaking to Moshe, and when Moshe then spoke to Klal Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu only became wealthy from the Psolas of the Luchos. Shenemar, Psol Luchos, Shnei Luchos Havadim Karishonim. What does it mean? Lucha, Psolton, Shalucha Yehei, that he had to chisel out this very expensive stone in order to write the uh, the messages, the Aseris Hadibros on the Luchos. So what happens to all the chiseled pieces of that very expensive stone? So he got to keep that. And that's how Moshe Rabbeinu became wealthy. The Marsha writes that uh, you shouldn't say that Moshe Rabbeinu became wealthy by being paid from B'nai Yisrael but through teaching them Torah. Because we just learned that a person has to be Malami Torah Bechinam. And that's perhaps what this, what this uh, teaching is doing over here. It uh, relates to what we were just talking about. That since he can't get paid to teach Torah... So we had to know, how did Moshe Rabbeinu get wealthy? Well, it wasn't from teaching Torah. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave him this opportunity to be able to keep this very expensive stone, and that's what made him wealthy. A very surprising teaching, that the Torah initially was only given to Moshe Rabbeinu and to his own offspring, and not to the rest of Klal Yisrael. Because the Pasuk says, and it also says so just like we darshan just like we darshan that the solace of the luchos gets to stay with Moshe Rabbeinu so to the ksav of the Torah itself is only given to Moshe Rabbeinu but Moshe Nog and Moshe was so generous in the son of Yisrael that he decided to share it with Klal Yisrael and the Pasuk continues that uh, someone who is very generous is going to be blessed and Moshe Rabbeinu was extremely generous in sharing the Torah with uh, Klal Yisrael what on earth does this mean meaning uh, how, how could one possibly have a havamina that Moshe Rabbeinu was uh, was uh, that the Torah initially was not given to Klal Yisrael only to Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Marsha writes that it's not about the mitzvos haTorah; it's about limud haTorah. The kiyum mitzvos haTorah certainly milu was given to Klal Yisrael, but we thought that the lomdim was only going to be Moshe Rabbeinu and his family. Kamash Milan, we are all lomdei Torah. That limud haTorah is given to everybody. Shittim Gvetzas writes in the name of the Ra'im a little bit different. That even though it was given to all the Chal Yisrael, but uh, we don't have the, we would have not had the rights to be mefarish the chukim and the mitzvos based on our own understanding that uh, everything that we any suffolk we had we would have had to bring to Moshe Rabbeinu to say okay what do we do now and uh, once Moshe Rabbeinu is no longer there his offspring his children the Shevet Takohan and Valavim would be the ones that we would need to consult with in order to be able to understand the Torah so that's why we ask from it sounds like Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to teach it to them and to explain to them what the mitzvahs were all about so that they won't need to have to ask Bishas Maisa. That's why the Gemara is going to challenge from that uh, from that pasuk, so and the Gemara answer, answers is going to answer that Moshe taught them me'atzmo. Hashem didn't tell him that he has to do that, but he gave them the know-how to interpret the Torah and to be able to be poshet sveikos 
in halacha that you don't need a Moshe Rabbeinu. All you need to do is become a Talmud Chacham. And if you become a Talmud Chacham, you'll be able to be Poshit Tzvekos on your own in halacha. So that's Shidim Gvetzis, that the mitzvahs of Torah certainly were meant for all the Klal Yisrael. Limur Torah was meant for all the Klal Yisrael. But the ability to be Machriya halacha, that initially was not meant for all the Klal Yisrael. And that Moshe Rabbeinu gave to us, he gave us that know-how in being Machriya halacha. The chasa, and, and then it became the Iker of Talmud Torah. The, right? the, uh, the Iker of Talmud Torah is the Sukkish Shmaitzah Limur so it became our primary connection to uh, to Talmud Torah. Some Sofer says that uh, no, the way the Gemara is understanding right now is uh, the that that the Torah initially was only meant to be taught Peh by everybody else. Only Moshe Rabbeinu was able to teach Mitoch Haksav, and that's what changed. Okay, but something is, you have to make some modification of this Havamina. That, that, uh, there's a Havamina that only Moshe Rabbeinu, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not possible. The, another Kasha that the Marsha deals with over here is we say, how do I know that, uh, what, where do I get this idea from that it was only meant for Moshe Rabbeinu? Because it says Ksav Lecha, it says Psal Lecha, so just like Psal Lecha is only for him, Ksav Lecha is only for him. So asks uh, the Marsha, wait, from Psal Lecha, I know it's only from just because it uses the word lecha. That was enough of a limud. Why do I need a comparison between ksav lecha and psal lecha to tell me that ksav lecha means it's only for him? Just the fact that it says lecha should teach me that it's only for him. Why the comparison? So the marsha says, had it only said ksav lecha, we would not have explained that it has to be only for, for Moshe Rabbeinu. We would have explained that it means lecha misha lecha, that you have to use your own ink, your own quill, your own everything. You have to, just like when the Pasuk says, asay lecha kesef, so we die that it's got to be from you. So the Gemara has to quote the Josh of Psalucha, where it wasn't Mishalucha, meaning Adraba. He got to keep the leftovers, and that's where he got rich, but it wasn't his own stone. So we know that wasn't Mishalucha. So just like Psalucha wasn't Mishalucha, it's that you get to keep it. It's that it's just for you, it's exclusive for you. So to Ksavlucha is exclusive for you. That's how the Marsha understands. So anyway, the Gemara challenges this Hava. I mean, Masa Ravchisa, Ravchisa asks, on this Memra, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu says to Klal Yisrael, Hashem commanded me to teach you. So you see that it wasn't meant only for Moshe Rabbeinu. It wasn't his own generosity by teaching them. Hashem told him to. So it says, well, the way to read it is, Hashem commanded me, and then, and I decided, I decided to teach you. And then the Gemara goes back and asks the second kasha. But it says, that I'm teaching you Torah just as Hashem had commanded me. So you see that Hashem had commanded him to teach it to all the Klal Yisrael. It says, no, Hashem commanded me in all the chukmushpatim, va'ani lachem, and I, with my own tavasayin, decided to share it with you. A third kasha, v'yatakisulachem asashirazos. So we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded to write the entire Torah. It must be that it wasn't only meant for him, it was for all the Klal Yisrael. So Gemara says, that's not a raya, that Kala Torah was for all the Klal Yisrael, because all it says is Hashira Azos. Hashira Lechuda, it could be that only Shira Sa'azinu, because that was given to all the Klal Yisrael, but the rest of the Torah was only given to Moshe Rabbeinu. So says Gemara, that can't be, that can't be what it means. Hashira Hazos can't mean only Shira Sa'azinu, because the Pasuk goes on to say, Lemantia li Hashira Azos, Le'ed Bivnei Yisrael, 
Yisrael. So you see that it's talking about the whole Torah, that the mitzvahs are in the, in the Torah are going to be an edus on Bnei Yisrael, that if they don't observe them, they're going to be punished. Because if it's only uh, talking about the Shiva Sa'azinu, what sort of edus is that? So it must be that uh, based on that kasha, the Gemara says we have to change our original Havana, that Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one who received the Torah, and it must be that the Torah was given to all the Klal Yisrael. Ella pilpula bi alma. When uh, we say that it was only given to Moshe and not to all of Klal Yisrael, that just means pilpula bi alma. The pilpul of Limanat Torah was given only to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was knowing Tovasayin on that pilpula bi alma, and he gave that pilpul to Klal Yisrael. What does that mean? What is the pilpula bi alma? So the Rush writes that uh, when uh, that when, when it says ksavan shalcha, it means the chachma, the seichel that are that are ramos in the Ksav HaTorah, in the Tzuras HaOsios of the Torah, that that's given, that was given only initially to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he gave that Chachma of understanding the Tzuras HaOsios, understanding the Chachma in that, right, as we were discussing yesterday, whether there's a mitzvah of Talmud Torah in learning Aleph Beis, the Yafsei Berks Torah, learning Aleph Beis. Yes, there's something in the letters of the Torah himself, the Tzuras of the Osios themselves, that one can delve deeply into. The Marsha says that since uh, the uh, that, that, that the, the that the Torah was only given to Moshe Rabbeinu is from the Hekish of Tupsalucha, from Ksalucha to Psalucha. So just like Psalucha, Moshe Rabbeinu received the Psoles, which remains after the Luchos were, uh, were, 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 uh, were, were chiseled and not the actual Gufa Luchos. So Ksalucha is in the Maskala Sagamara is explained to be talking about only the Pilpul, only the Havana's Dover Mitok Dover, and not the Guf HaTorah itself. So now it's a more it's a more accurate uh, it's a more precise uh, comparison between Ksavlucha and Psalucha, says the Marsha. That Psalucha meant not the actual uh, luchos that 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 didn't belong to Moshe Rabbeinu. It was only what came off of the luchos, only the external that was that which was outside of the luchos, that which was beyond the luchos. So too by the Ksavlucha, it's only the Havanas Dover Mitoch Dover, the Pilpul Bialma that was meant only for Moshe Rabbeinu, and he shared that Pilpul with Klal Yisrael. Amr four qualities that a person needs in order to be a Navi he needs to be strong he needs to be wealthy he needs to be wise and he needs to be humble now uh, this uh, before we get into the Rayas uh, we learn all of these things from Moshe Rabbeinu just it's, the, the, the idea itself is so troubling meaning I understand a Maila like Anav a Maila in Ruchnius that a person is an Anav makes a lot of sense Chacham I get that a person needs to be have a certain uh, level of intellect in order to be uh, to be a navi, perhaps. But it really matters if he's a gibor or if he's an ashir. How much time he spends in the gym? How much money he has in his bank account? Why on earth would that matter in terms of a person's capacity for nevuah? So many, many achronim, the chasam sofer and the ben yoyada and uh, the Ibn Yaakov, many achronim say that inherently there's no value to any of these things, to chacham, gibor, and ashir. They're all to build up the anivus. That the only one that matters is an anav. But if a person is poor and he's weak and he's stupid, so is it, is it so hard to be an anav? The whole world of, uh, looks at him as a nobody, and he is a nobody. So he sees himself as a nobody. When you know when it's hard to be an anav, when he's the richest guy in town and he's the smartest guy in town and he's the strongest guy in town, he's the most powerful person in town. Then, when the whole world is looking at him like he's uh, God's gift to humanity, and he doesn't look at himself that way, that's anivus. So the the others just build up that one sense of uh, of anivus. That is true uh, anivus. 
Drushas Haran has a different take. He says that the Navi has to be uh, someone who possesses all of these qualities because if you're going to present Klal Yisrael with the Dvar Hashem, you have to present it in a Kli that is, uh, that, is, that is beautiful, that they can appreciate the value and the magnificence of it. And not everybody can appreciate spirituality on its surface, meaning at its, at, in order for certain people, people respect different things. There are a lot of people that respect Gvura. There are a lot more people that respect Ashiras. There are people that respect Chachma. And in order for a person to receive the Dvar Hashem from, from someone that they respect, he has to have all of the qualities that people respect. So once he has all the qualities that people respect, it will make the, uh, the, the, all the people that are receiving the Dvar Hashem more receptive to the Dvar Hashem. And that's why the Navi has to have all of those, uh, those qualities. The, 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 those are the standard shitos. The Rambam in Hilchus Yisraeli Torah, Perek Zayin Allah has a third shita, which on its surface sounds great, but it doesn't fit with our Gemara at all. And the Rambam says, what do you mean? Gibar doesn't mean that he's actually powerful. Uh, Chacham doesn't mean that he has a great intellectual capacity. Asher doesn't mean that he has a lot of money in the bank. The Mishnahis and Birkei Avos tell us what all these things mean. Ezu Ashir, Hasamech Bechalko. Ezu Chacham, Alam Mikal Adam. Ezu Gibor, Hakovish is Yitzro. That's what it means. All of the, these are all quali- qualities in Ruchnius. None of these are, are, are what they seem at the surface. So Kazimishna says Ramam is solving a big problem by saying this, but he's creating another big problem because he's against the Gemara. The Gemara that we're about to read that proves that you need to be a Gibor and a Chacham and Rashir. Don't talk about someone who's Kovish is Yitzro and someone who, uh, who's Samach Bechelko. It talks about what people call Gibor Chacham and, uh, and Ashir. So Kazimishna says the Ramah must be saying this on his own. Not, not, he's not Meshubah to this Gemara. He's not paraphrasing this Gemara. He's really saying this as his own. Uh, as his own ideas, his own chiddush. Marshal also writes the fact that we learn all this from Moshe Rabbeinu is because the pasuk says Navi mikir kamoni yakim So we learn that all of the neviim have to be kamoni, have to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's why the Gemara says that. How do I know a navi has to be a gibor ashu chacham anav kulan mi Moshe? We learn them all from Moshe Rabbeinu because he had all of these milos. So let's see. How do I know that he had all these milos? Gibor. How do I know Moshe Rabbeinu was a gibor? The Mishkan, that he managed to spread the OL over the Mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu himself was one that spread the uh, curtain over the Mishkan. Mishkan was really tall. It was 10 amos tall. So if Moshe Rabbeinu was spreading it over the Mishkan, it means that he was at least 10 amos tall. And if he was 10 amos tall, I would assume that if proportionally he was so much taller, the average person is 3 amos tall. So if he's proportionally 3 times more than three times larger than the average person, I would imagine his muscles were more than three times larger than the average person. So mainly, he must have been extremely strong. So says Mara, you ever see super, super duper tall people? Typically, their muscles aren't so big. They're like these long, lanky uh, people that don't have uh, such, uh, such, uh, su- such muscle tone. So maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was just very, very tall, but he didn't have any, uh, any gvura. So uh, the, the, uh, the, the rush says, I, I don't understand. Why are we deriving from how tall he must have been in order to spread the curtain over the Mishkan? 
he also erected the Mishkan. He also picked up all the boards of the Mishkan. These were gigantic, heavy boards that he put up himself. Why don't we just derive from that? Why is the Gemara chasing down this uh, other uh, source for his Gevura? So the Masha suggests, based on the Medrash, Rashi of Chumash quotes a Medrash, that Moshe Rabbeinu saw these boards and he said, How is a human being supposed to put this up? Hashem said, do it, you try, and, and the rest will happen. And he started trying to lift it, and then it lifted itself. So uh, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't use his Kavura in order to be able to, uh, to erect the Mishkan. Adarabe, he seemed incapable of uh, putting it up in a natural way uh, with his own Kavura. So Ella, how do I know Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gibar? Min Hadenkra, from the following Pasuk. The Moshe Rabbeinu grabbed the two Luchos, he threw them and he smashed them. These were big blocks of stone, six tvachim by six tvachim by three tvachim, and, and stone is very, very heavy, and since he had to get some force to throw it down to the ground to break them, you see that he was able to generate that force on, uh, on these heavy blocks of stone. That's how Tosas understands. Now in the Sefer Shalmei Nadarim says, what kind of raya is that for the Gvur of Moshe Rabbeinu, the fact that he was able to throw them to the ground and break them? I could also throw them to the ground and break them. You put them in my hand, I'll immediately drop them, and their weight will, uh, will be so, uh, so heavy that the gravity will, uh, will break them. They will come down with such force that they're going to break. So Shidu Vetas quotes from the Ritz that the Gemara learns from the Apostle the Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchos before he threw them to the ground. Wow, a, a little bit of a different limud of, of the Pasuk. The Moshe Rabbeinu crushed them in his hands and then threw them to the ground. That's Kavura, that he took rock and he just crushed the rock in his, in his own hands. Shidu Gvetzis then quotes from the Re'em that the Raya of the Gemara about Moshe Rabbeinu's Gavura was the fact that he, he was able to hold them in the first place. It wasn't that he threw them to the ground, we could all drop them, but the fact that he was holding these heavy stones in the first place, that tells you about Moshe Rabbeinu's Gavura. Okay, so somehow we learn from there Moshe Rabbeinu's Gavura. Ashir, how do I know the Moshe Rabbeinu was an Ashir? Well, we just did that. We learned that, uh, that he got to keep the, uh, the, the uh, Psalas of Luluchos, so that tells me that he must have been very wealthy. Ask Shabbat Yaakov Emdin, how do you see from there that HaKadosh Baruch was only Mashra Shechinaso on someone who's an Ashir? Wasn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu already Mashra Shechinaso Moshe Rabbeinu before he made the Luchos? Already at the burning bush? Already, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu has been talking to God for a while already. And he wasn't, he didn't become wealthy until Psalucha. That was much later on. So he, so Rabbi Yaakov Emdin writes that Rashi and Chumash, it tries to, to, to protect himself from this Kasha. And he says that Mipsola Shaluchos, Rashi and Chumash writes, Moshe Rabbeinu was in this Asher Harbe. He became very wealthy, implying that up until that time he was moderately wealthy. But then, so he was moderately wealthy, and then he had his big, uh, you know, his, his big windfall. That was when he was uh, when he chiseled out the uh, the luchos. However, from the Gemara, it didn't sound that way because Gemara says Lohesh Moshe Elami Psultan Shaluchos that he only achieved wealth through the psolas of the luchos. Sounds like he was not wealthy beforehand. So Rabbi Yaakov says, I see what Rashi's trying to do, but I don't think that's the Pashupshar in the Gemara. So therefore, Rabbi Yaakov says that the Iker Ashirus really that a person has is Bidas, meaning that uh, if you uh, t- teach a man to fish, right, that kind of thing, that if a person 
develops his chachma, so then you know he's uh, he's he's omade to achieve wealth. If he doesn't develop any chachma and he doesn't develop any know how to do anything uh, that's uh, that, that that's in demand, that's going to make uh, people want it. So then he's not he's not omade for wealth. So uh, the Ashira that he had all along was bechachma, and he had so much chachma that it was you know no one was surprised that that was a person who became wealthy. That uh, it's natural that a person who, uh, who has chachma becomes wealthy, right? That's what the Gemara in the second paragraph of Basra says. The Gemara says, Harotza lahachkim yadrim. If you want to become a chacham, you should face south. Harotza lahashir yatspin. So one day in the Gemara says, no, don't face north if you want to become wealthy. Face south and you'll have chachma and then you'll use your chachma to become wealthy. Meaning chachma is a way that a person can, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the shortest path or the, you know, the most likely path to, uh, to achieve wealth. Okay, so that's how I know Moshe Rabbeinu was an Ashir. Chacham, how do I know that he was a Chacham? So Rav Shmuel, Dami Tervayu, Chamishim Shari Bina, Nivru Ba'olam, Lukulam, Nitnu, Moshe Chasarachas. There are 50 levels of Bina, 50 gates of Bina in this world. Moshe Rabbeinu had all of them except for one. Shinemar v'techsreyu ma'at me'elokin. That that ma'at, is the, that last Shar Bina that he lacked in his understanding of the Rebbeinu Shalom, just that one little bit. So he achieved the greatest understanding of the Rebbeinu Shalom that anyone ever did. Anav, how do I know he's none of? Well, that's beferish in the Pasuk. Dixiv, Vaish Moshe, Anav Ma'od, the Torah itself testifies that he was an Anav. Amr Yochan, Kala Nevi'im Ashirim, Hayu Minalan, how do I know that all Nevi'im were Ashirim? Mi Moshe, Mi Shmuel, Mi Amos, Mi Because we know about these four that they, were, uh, that they were Ashirim, and therefore we could derive that all other Nevi'im were also Ashirim. Moshe, Dixiv, how do I know Moshe? Rabbein was an Ashir, so instead of uh, going with what we've been saying until now, the Gemara has a new drasha. Because the Pasuk says, Lo chabor nasasi. Moshe Rabbein says uh, that he didn't take from Korach va'adaso even a single chamor. So Iblo Agra, if he's saying that I didn't take anything for free, La Fugiman de Shakablo Agra, is he's coming to, to exclude someone who would take something for free? If you take something for free, there's there's a word for that. It's a gazlan, right? I Meaning if you take something that uh, without providing any uh, goods or services and you just take from other people, so that's a gazlan. Most of wouldn't be bragging, oh by the way, I'm not a gazlan. Eladafilu Baagra means that he didn't even pay for it, he didn't take anything from people. So he must have been independently wealthy, otherwise how would he have had what he needs? So says, or maybe he was very poor because he was so poor he couldn't afford to get anything from anybody. No, we go back to our original drasha. How do I know Moshe Rabbeinu was wealthy? That he gets to keep the psalas of the luchos. Shmuel, how do I know that Shmuel was wealthy? Shmuel Shmuel Hanavi is saying, I never took from Bnei Yisrael a single shor or a single chamar. And again, if he means that he never took it for nothing. What, he's saying that he's not a gazlan? Of course he didn't take anything for nothing. That he didn't even pay for it. So you see that he must have been an usher and he had everything that he needed independently. So Gemara says, but again, that doesn't tell you he was an usher. It just tells you that he didn't rent out uh, other people's animals or buy other people's animals. Either it could be that he was an usher, but it could just as easily, it's just as plausible that he was an onion. He couldn't afford it. So Ella may 
halacha. So says the Gemara, I bring a raya from the following pasuk. Uchuvasa ramasa kisham beso. That he returned to Rama because that's where his house was. So va'amar Rava, and Rava explains the pasuk, it doesn't mean kisham beso, that that's why he returned to Rama, that he returned to Rama because that's where his house was. No, it goes on the pasuk before that, where the pasuk says, v'halach mideishana v'shana v'sava beisel v'agilgal v'amitzvah v'shavat yisrael v'skala m'kamu se'ele. So even when he was, he was being mistovev and he was uh, judging all of Kali Yisrael, everywhere he would travel around, all over the place, Visham Beso is not in Rama where he returned. It's not that he was uh, staying at hotels all uh, whatever he traveled. He had a home everywhere. He had houses in every country, in every city, in every uh, every place. So wherever he went, he had a house. Oh, that's Hashiru. So you see that he was a wealthy person. So the praise of Shmuel is Yosem Mishnemer Moshe more than the Shavach that said about Moshe that he didn't even pay to rent a donkey from anyone but it sounds like if they uh, would have uh, insisted that he rent then he would have taken it even if the maskir would insist on it Shmuel wouldn't take it means even if we were begging you we were trying to be you please take it he still refused he absolutely refused to have anything from anybody else Amos, how do I know that Amos was wealthy? So what does it mean? That I have uh, a lot of Tzonu Bakar, which commonly Bishvalta, and uh, I have Atse Shikma in, uh, in, in, in certain locations. So he's, he's describing what he has. He's describing his, his wealth. The context is that, uh, that they said that he was a Navi Sheker and he was a Misnave just to, to make money. So that's why Amos says back to Amatia, it's not true. I'm not a Navi Sheker because what, what, I don't need it for Parnassa. I don't need to be a Navi Sheker for Parnassa. I'm already wealthy. So that's not, uh, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be going into the Navi Sheker business. So uh, my, my Navua is, is for real. So uh, what, you think, lo, lo Navi Anochi, that I'm not a Navi? I am a Navi. Yona Dixiv, how do I know? that Yonah was wealthy because the Pasuk says when he was running away to, uh, to Tarshish when he was going into the boat notice how it says that he paid why doesn't it say he paid his fare for the boat so no, you see that he paid scharakula. He paid for the fare of the entire boat. Amr Rabbi Ramban scharishol svina v'yabar salafim dinari dahava, and that was four thousand dinari zav, which was a lot of money. So he must have been a very wealthy person that he was able to to afford to pay for the scar of the whole boat. The Marsha says, why why would he do that? Just pay your fare and get on the get on the boat. So it must be that they were waiting to sell out. So you got that there were a couple of people there, and it would you know it was a giant cruise liner, and they're waiting to get all these people on the. Uh, on the boat so Yonah said I'll just pay for everything so he chartered the boat on his own he took like a private plane and he brought uh, you know a bunch of people on so that's very expensive he was a wealthy person and the reason he did that was because he needed to get away <laughs> he was running so he needed to he, needed to go. he didn't have time to wait initially when Moshe Rabbeinu would learn Torah he would immediately 
you forget it. Until Hashem gave it to him as a matan at the end of the 40 days. So for 39 and a half days, he's sitting there learning and forgetting and learning and forgetting and learning and forgetting. 40th day, Kodesh Baruch says, it's yours. And it just goes, is given to him in matan That it was at the end, that it was, it was nas, Kodesh Baruch was no save to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Yushalmi in the third paragraph of Horeo says that the reason Hashem did this, that to make him forget it right away, was lahachziris hatipshim. What does it mean, lahachziris hatipshim? Says the Pnei Moshe to uh, to encourage those who grow frustrated with the fact that all the Torah we learn goes in one ear and out the other, that we forget our learning so much. So to give us chizuk, Moshe Rabbeinu had a similar experience when he started learning Torah, but you stick with it, and eventually you'll figure out how to uh, maintain more of uh, your Torah learning. Okay, so now the Mishnah continues in what a mudar is and is not allowed to do for somebody else. Vizan es ishto. A madir is allowed to support as ishto vesbanov of the mudar. Even though the mudar is really the one that's supposed to be supporting his wife and children. So it turns out that the mudar is getting benefit from because uh, th- this guy is being poreas chobo. He's supporting his wife and his children. So now the whole reason I work, the whole reason I make money is to support my wife and children. Now I don't need to because this guy's taking care of it. Nevertheless, that's mutter to do because the madir is not doing it for uh, to, in order to pay off the chovos of the mudar to make the mudar's life easier. He's doing it because it's a mitzvah tzedakah. And therefore, it's not called that he's being mahanahim. It's only a gram hana'ah. It's only uh, indirect. And therefore, that's going to be mutar. But, velo yozun es behemto. But he cannot uh, provide mizonos for the behema of the mudar. Bein tamea, bein torah, whether it be a kosher or a non-kosher animal. Because when you're feeding the animal, the animal is going to go up in value because it's going to be more robust and healthy. Rabbi Lazarom says that he could, uh, he could feed the non-kosher animal of the fellow because he's never going to eat that animal anyway. So the fact that it's fatter and is a meatier animal is not going to be helpful to him. But he cannot uh, feed the behemoth tahora because the person is going to be able to eat that animal and therefore he's going to have more meat. The, the more you feed it, the more meat that the, uh, the mudar hanah is going to have. So Amr the Chum said back to Rabbi Eliezer, Why should there be a difference between Behemoth responded, big difference. The nefesh of the Beimah Torah goes to Shemayim, you'll shecht it, but the guf you get to keep. So, but whereas with Tumeya, nafsho v'guf al you don't get to keep any of it. You don't get to eat the guf either. You don't get to, get to eat the meat either. So the fact that it gets fatter is of no benefit to the fellow. So Amulah the Chum said back, What do you mean? Of course you benefit from a more robust animal. Shem Yirza because if you want, you could sell a behemoth Tumeya to a non-Jew. You could feed it to a dog, and that means less dog food that you're going to have to buy in the store that we. You're going to get benefit from the fact that it's a meteor that it's a meteor animal. And therefore, you're not allowed to, if there's a, if there's a nedra, no, you're not allowed to feed the behemoth of the mudar, even if it's a behemoth tamea. So now the Gemara just mentions a totally different case. You can make a shidduch between a father-in-law and son-in-law where, uh, where there's a nedra hana'ah. Who's mudar hana'ah from who? If it's at the avi'akala was madir the chas 
on Bahana'ah, that he's not allowed to get Hana'ah from any of his Nechasim. So why is Rafuna allow such a Shidduch? Harei, Mosalo Shivcha Lashamsho. He's giving over his daughter to, uh, to, to make his, the, the, the son in law's life so much easier. So uh, that's certainly getting Hana'ah when the guy gets married. Now he has someone around the house to help with everything. So Ella, so it must be that we're talking about not where the Nedra Hana'ah goes in that direction. But in the other direction, where it's uh, the chasan was madir the aviyakala from his nechasim, and that's where Avuna allows the aviyakala to marry off the daughter to the to, to the madir, even though there may be some hana because the, uh, the the chasan is now going to be obligated to support her, which was the father's responsibility up until this point. But uh, says Gemara, but then what's the Chiddush? We have an even bigger Chiddush that Zanas Ishtov as Banav. Our Mishnah said you're allowed to support the guy's wife and children right now that, that live in you know that live in his house and that he's really obligated to support. Where he's chayiv in the Mizonos. So of course you let him marry his daughter. I Meaning the whole Havamina not to be allowed to marry his daughter is that then you're going to be supporting or taking that obligation of support off of his hands. You're even allowed to support the people that are still living in his house that are uh, that, that, that he's obligated to support. So it's a kalvachomer from our Mishnah Kolshkein uh, that you'd be allowed to do this. So what would be the the, the chiddush? What's Rav Huna's chiddush? So says Marli Olam Avikala Asur Now we're talking about a case where the Avikalas Nechasan are Asur for the Chasan. Aye, what about the fact that the Chasan is going to be benefiting? From uh, the Avikala because he's giving her a shivcha, he's giving him a shivcha l'shamshcha. The father's not giving anything. The daughter's already an adult. She's deciding to marry on her own. So the father's not giving him enochinami. He's going to get great hana from the fact that he now has a wife. He's now going to be sharing his home with somebody. But uh, that, uh, that that that's not coming from the father-in-law. It's coming from her. Tanya nami achim. We have a price that supports that. Amudra nami chaveru asu lahasi lo bito aval masiyo bito bageres umidait. That a brisa makes that exact chilik. That you may not be allowed to marry your daughter off to a mudrana, but you're, you're allowed to, the, the daughter, if she's a pogeres, is allowed to choose to marry him on his own. So now the Gemara says other cases where a madir is allowed, things that a madir is allowed to do for a mudar. So Amr of Yaakov, Hamadir Torah. If a person took a nether that his son is going to be dedicated for Talmud Torah, no malacha, he's never going to work. I, I just want him to learn all, all day and all night. So he took a nether that he's not going to get any anah from the son because he doesn't want to be mevatel the child from Talmud Torah. He, the father can't take a nether that the child is never going to do anything other than Talmud Torah. That's up to the kid. That's up to that. So Varun Lapiansky said that once a father came to him and he was pressuring his son so much and the kid was falling apart. The father was putting so much pressure. And Varun said to the guy, what are you doing? Why are you putting so much pressure on your son? He said, I want my son to be the next of Chaim Kanievsky. So he said to him, I have a better idea. Why don't you become the next of Chaim Kanievsky? You can't can't decide that your son is going to be the next Rechaim Kanievsky, but, uh, but what you can do is you could say that I'm never going to ask him to do anything. That if he's in yeshiva and he's learning, I'm never going to bother him. So what's the, so mutter, the, the son could fill up a barrel of water for the father, and he could light a candle for him, uh, because these are small things that are not really going to be mevatalim from Talmud Torah. The father really meant major malachos. Rabbi Yitzchak Amar, that the son could also roast a small fish for him. Amar, Rabbi Yitzchak, Amar, 
could feed him a kos shel shalom. What is that? My nihu. What is a kos shel shalom? So hachatargimu kos shel beis ha'evel that they would be uh, give a kos shel yayin to avelim that lo nivra yayin al nachim bos avelim. But marava amri naritzol this a kos shel shalom means kos shel beis ha'merchatz that they would drink after they left the merchatz. That was called the kos shel shalom uh, because they used to get together in a chabura of people after leaving the merchatz. Uh, so uh, so and the reason for the hetter is uh, because of darke shalom and then he didn't include such a nether to, to withhold darke shalom from him. So we had said in the Mishnah that you're not allowed to feed his animal, whether it's a kosher or non-kosher animal. If you're not allowed to give him a no, you cannot feed his animal. Whereas Rabbi Lezer said, his non-kosher animal you could feed, just not his kosher animal. So Gemara brings a, a brisa that's a riot to the Chachamim, that even a non-kosher animal you're not allowed to feed. Tanya, Yoshua Ish Uza Amar, Zon Avada V'Shavchos Vakananim. You're allowed to feed his Avadim and Shavchos Vakananim, V'lo Yazun Behemto, Bein Tamea, Bein but you're not allowed to feed his animals whether they are kosher or non-kosher like the Chachamim said so my time I asked the Gemara what's the chilik between his avadim and his shvachos that you're allowed to feed them uh, even more than they necessarily need and behemoths of the mudar that you're not allowed to feed them even more than their basic bare sustenance that's the assumption of Rav Rishonim over here that we're not talking about feeding them their bare sustenance because that certainly is giving him anah that they're going to be able to survive it means giving them more than the bare sustenance so why, why would it be mudar to feed Avadav Shivchosov Hakananim, but not his behemoths, answers Gemara, Avadav Shivchosov Hakananim, Lemanachrusa Avidan, that uh, the, uh, after they die, the Bailim is not going to get any Hana'ah from their flesh. They're like behemoths luchuros, they're asr ba'chila, they're like uh, behemoths that were killed, not with shechita, where you can't eat them anyway. So avadim and shvachos, obviously we're not cannibals. We don't eat uh, the, them. So the, the extra flesh doesn't help us at all. So there's no hana'a whatsoever to, to, the, to be, the fact that they, they're fattened. Adraba, sometimes it's less hana'a because they may not be able to, it may be more lazy, they may be more tired, they may not be able to do as much work. So it's less hana'a. Whereas behemoth, lefituma avida, a behema, you want to fatten the behema because then it's going to be more basar from that behema. Okay, but from tomorrow we'll pick up at the mission on the bottom of the Chesed base. Everyone have a great day and a wonderful Shabbos.